basically they were saying, hey, just trust us. You know, everybody, let's calm down. It's going to go live tomorrow. No need to worry. So if you said to yourself as a consumer, you know what? Let me subscribe. Let me hit the bell on Twitter under PlayStation's account. So I'll get a notification when they say when things are happening. If you did that, if you believed their tweet, you were out of luck. So when I saw things started going crazy, I went, just went to Target and I was able to speed through. I used Apple Pay. For Xbox, they announced in advance, here's when we're doing this. And it was a disaster too. That was yeah, well, that was a disaster because since everyone knew, they knew which stores, which websites, yeah, and yeah. what exact time bots were ready to go. And when we talk about bots, you'll hear a lot of this in the sneaker game as well. People basically have programs that have been written that will automatically go to these websites, fill in the shipping address, fill in the payment details, and check out in lightning fast speed, faster than a human being is ever able to do it. And they can run a hundred of these at one time, a hundred instances of this on their computer. So they can buy a hundred consoles in seconds. Welcome to Geared Up, brought to you by National Car Rental. I'm Andrew Edwards. I'm John Rentinger, and uh, this is where Andrew would ordinarily introduce our first guest, but I asked if I could do it instead. I think Ooh. we have the guest of guests on today. I'm going to go out right. I'm going to say our best guest that we I have. I was nervous asking him had. to join us. I can That's see his mic. Reverent, I was. Reverent. His name is synonymous with something that I think you'll know very quickly, but I can see a smiling face on our video chat. You guys can't see it. Please, Geared Up listeners, welcome the one and only Mr. Jacques Slick. Yes. Oh, you guys are talking about me. You, sir. Oh, I thought there was another guest. <laughs> oh. We, oh. Welcome <laughs> welcome back, Jacques Slade. Welcome back. Thank, thank you thank for you joining us again. Me back. Absolutely. I, I appreciate it. I don't know what you guys have read about me, but that <laughs> intro was way more than I deserved. Somebody's <laughs> been lying to you, but I, I appreciate the flowers. That's for sure. My thing is just Jacques that is a mo- Jacques, I want to be man. as cool as you. That's my thing. Oh, oh, no, no. I run I run in the morning like an old man. I wear glasses. There's nothing cool about me. Nothing at all. For those who, who may not know Jock or don't recognize him, Jock is one of the guys who really made sneaker YouTube uh, a thing. I mean, I, I, think, I think that's a fair statement to say. You know, started a, a while ago around when I yep. started with tech and really sort of brought it to the masses and kind of exploded uh, onto the scene when you got to do a tour of Michael Jordan's house in Chicago. Yes. Is that a fair, that was sort of the video that really put you on the map? Yeah, I was, yeah, that's, that's definitely the most viral thing that I've done. And Jock has really ingrained himself in, in sneaker culture in, in sports culture recently in tech. And is one of those guys that can very easily jump in between uh, verticals and do it very authentically. And I think that's really rare for people. He's a guy with a social conscience and just a generally good human being. So I'm happy to have him on here. He's a personal friend of mine. So I did a better intro, I think, Jock, than perhaps your mom would do. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm, and I'm happy. And I'm happy <laughs> with that. This was definitely uh, an intro that I needed. Made me feel great. Feel like feel like I'm a part of the group now. Uh, people don't know <laughs> Get this. Get that but confidence boosted. Yeah. I want to be one of the tech guys so bad, but I'm a sneaker guy. And I just dabble so I in the world. I want to be one of the sneaker of guys. Like, I love all of the tech guys. And I try my best to be a part of that group. I tweet at them all the time. I'm in their DMs. The whole nine. The whole nine. I'm just, I'm just hurting to be a tech guy, but I'm in the sneaker world and I love it. I love it just as much, but I'm happy that the tech guys, that they've accepted me into the group. I feel like I'm a part of the Honorary. 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 Yeah, yeah. I will stop praising Jacques and start criticizing him in a moment, but he's the type of guy, <laughs> for, for those, those that don't know him, you know, he'll just check in on you. Haven't talked to you in a couple of weeks, just want to say hi. He's one of those kind of, of guys. I think those type of people are, are rare. So that's it. I'm done being nice to Jacques. That's it. It's no holds barred yeah, down yeah, for the rest of the show. Knives are out from here on out. Before we jump into any uh, conversation, yeah. Jacques, could you just tell people where they can find you online if they're interested in uh, learning more about you? Yes. So my name is Jacques Slade. I'm a Gemini. I like long walks in the park. <laughs> if you want to find me online, I'm on every social media place under the name of Cousteau, which is K-U-S-T-O-O. That's Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Snapchat, Bumble, Grinder, all of those places. You can find me <laughs> under the name of Cousteau if you need me. Perfect. All right, let's let's jump in. Before we jump into the tech topics, I wanted to touch on. I had no one else to talk about this with, and then when I <laughs> hey Jacques's going to be on the show. This is a good one. A friend of mine, good friend of mine, on Instagram. He's on Instagram under the name Slim pickens 101 and what he does is he goes to different stores like ross burlington 
I don't know, pay less target, whatever. These stores where you, you he basically goes trying to find the needle in a haystack for sneakers. And he'll usually find decent stuff. But the other day he came across these scars pizza air force ones and he didn't know ah. much about them. So he posts a picture of them in his hand at Burlington with the price tag, $59 and 99 cents. Wow. And his Instagram instantly starts blowing up because on stock X, this pair of sneakers sells for thousands of dollars. I believe Oof. the current ask on StockX is around 11,000 and the highest bid is roughly 4,000. So there's a gap there, wow. but either way, $60. And then DJ Clark Kent, who is the designer of these sneakers, actually comments on his post saying, hey, I designed those. I can't tell you what to do, but if I were you, I'd keep them. They're a piece of history. So yeah. a quick trip to Burlington and he walks away with these. You never know what you're going to find in these stores. I think it's interesting because I think most people assume that when a sneaker goes live and people go crazy for it and it's gone in a minute, that's it. You're never going to see it again. Right. How does this happen? Do you know how this happens? How does a pair like that end up in a store like this? So there's a couple of different ways that something like this can happen. First of all, there are only 48 pairs, quote unquote, released. And I think that's something oh. really important that people need to understand. There are the pairs that are actually released. And then there's also like the friends and family pairs. And then there's also the sample pairs. Then there's like B stock pairs that, that maybe didn't necessarily meet the quality standards. Something was mm. wrong with them. Sometimes those find themselves into shops. So though 48 were technically released and that's what's been advertised, there's probably, I would say, at least another five to 10 pairs, maybe 20 that are just around somewhere. And sometimes a box gets misplaced somewhere and it gets sent back to a warehouse somewhere and it, it gets bunched with the shoes that aren't going to be sold or that were returned or whatever the case may be. And it's like, okay, we'll sell them to Burlington or we'll sell them to TJ wow. Maxx or we'll send them to an outlet. And so like this guy just kind of kind of got the luck of the draw. I mean, you see it happen quite often. You'll walk into a store and see something random like, oh, like how did this gear? Why is this Jordan here? Or why is this shoe here? And this guy just really, I mean, he just got super, super lucky, even for one that he even recognized it because right. most quote unquote sneakerheads won't even recognize the shoe. I've never seen them in person. So I honestly, I might've walked right past them because it's, it's something that I've never held in my hand. I've never seen it in person. Like, And again, there's only 48 pairs of them. If you've only seen them, you've only seen them online. So, you know, unless you were in New York at that same time at Scar's Pizza. So this is a like a gold mine fine. I mean, I, I would equate this to like a random person walking into Best Buy and asking for like the new iPhone and getting sold the new iPhone a week early or something like that because whoever was at the cash register didn't realize that the phone hadn't released yet. Did you know that 48 number off the top of your head or did you look that up? Oh, no, I had to look that up. I had to look that up. I don't, okay. I don't know that off the top of my head. I knew, okay. I knew they I were- I was going to say that- <laughs> That was so smoothly impressive. Right. Oh, no, no. I knew it was a, a limited release, but I didn't know the exact number. I knew it was under 100 though, for sure. That was almost Sarah Dietschy-esque. <laughs> if sneakers were cameras, the way she would yeah. just rattle off a random, how did you know? Just off the top. You know, I just knew that. I just knew. I just knew. Okay. I just know. Yeah. I just know. Got to get it. Got to get it. Got to get it. All right. Let's talk game consoles. Did you guys get your pre-orders in? PlayStation 5, Xbox nope. One X, One S. How'd it go for you guys? Is frustration a way that, that it goes? Is that, a, is that accurate? Is that <laughs> yes. an accurate way to describe it? Jacques, were you looking for a PS5 or Xbox One X or Series both. S or I was, I was trying to get both. both. And I'm so hurt and so damaged by this process in the sneaker world that I just don't have the energy to continue fighting for video consoles, for video game <laughs> consoles. Like, I'll try- You don't want to have hashtag Saturday every day of the week? Yes, it's definitely Saturday every day of the week. Like, I, I go through it for sneakers so much. And then when it comes to, to the video game consoles, like, I tried- and I probably spent like 20 minutes trying. Then I was like, you know what? I just don't have the energy. <laughs> I can get it later. It's not like sneakers where that's the last time you're going to be able to get them or you have to pay some crazy resale price. At least with video game consoles, you can wait two weeks and you'll get it at regular price. You just won't be one of the super cool kids that got it at launch. True. So that, that applies to both and consoles though for you? I think that applies to both consoles. Like, I mean, as much as I would love to have both of them, like the date launch date, yeah. I think that if I get them two weeks later, 
I'll still be okay. You know what I mean? This is part of the reason why I'm not an official yeah. part of the tech group, guys. True, true. Is because if I was, I would have made sure I had both of them on day one. And this is probably part of my initiation, and I apologize in advance, guys. <laughs> John, what about you? So I think I'm going to upset Jock here. Yes, I was able to get uh, both consoles. What? But also, I was actually, and now I'm about to make Jock happy. I was actually able to get a few extra reserve just to have. That what? I know. I sound like a jerk. And I sound like the guy who's like on StockX about no, to no, uh, no. You know, sell the new Jays. So, Jacques, when they come in, I would be happy to have one of the PS5s Thank you. make their way to you on launch day. I appreciate that. I, I, I definitely appreciate that. How, so how? I was on Amazon. I was on Microsoft.com. I was on Sony. I was on Kmart. I was on JCPenney. I was on Sears website. Like I was on Sears. Every- yeah. Yeah. Sears. So, you know, to I, Sears. Yeah. <laughs> So no, it was you know it was easy. I'm in a cook group. We created the bot. No, I'm just, <laughs> just kidding. Um, honestly, we just had all of us, all five of us, sort of on different sites. Um, you know, we don't know what was going to get canceled or go through, so we just had everybody put the orders through. We had a bunch of stuff get canceled. Amazon sent emails saying we might not get them on time, so we sort of weren't sure what we were going to get. The only console we have not been able to get is the digital version of the PS5. Mm. I was hoping to sort of have them all, so I think we we're able to get a couple of PS5s, and I was just going to let people, you know, people that work with me who wanted one, just, you know, buy it for retail and just have it. Amazing. So after the podcast, we'll talk and I can, I can make sure one makes it your way. Sounds like um, it. But that's how we did it. Honestly, we just sort of divide and conquered and sort of hoped yes. that we get one somewhere. Hope for the best. Yeah. Andrew, how'd you, uh, how'd you make out? Yeah. So I'm, tr- I'm actually searching my email because I don't even remember what site I was successful on for the PlayStation 5. (laughs) But I was successful for the PlayStation 5. I got the disc version because for some reason, I felt like I would have some sort of FOMO by not having a feature, even though on the current generation PlayStation 4 for the past eight years, I have put a disc in there twice. So yeah, I don't know. And then for the Xbox, now, by the way, the PlayStation, I forget the site, but it was not difficult for me to do it. I think it was Target. I just went in. You got lucky. And there it was. I just sped through checkout. I I made sure I was logged into everything prior. Then I saw on Twitter, though, because so PlayStation was like, hey, tomorrow is the pre-order date. Everything's going down tomorrow. And then all of a sudden, within like an hour Everybody was selling them. And part of the issue here was that in that tweet from PlayStation, they were like, basically, they were saying, hey, just trust us. You know, everybody, let's calm down. It's going to go live tomorrow. No need to worry. So if you said to yourself as a consumer, you know what? Let me subscribe. Let me hit the bell on Twitter under PlayStation's account. So I'll get a notification when they say when things are happening. If you did that, if you believed their tweet, you were out of luck. So when I saw things started going crazy, I went. Just went to Target and I was able to speed through. I used Apple Pay for Xbox. They announced in advance, here's when we're doing this. And it was a disaster too. That was, yeah, well, that was a disaster because since everyone knew, they knew which stores, which websites, yeah. and yeah. what exact time bots were ready to go. And when we talk about bots, you'll hear a lot of this in the sneaker game as well. People basically have programs that have been written that will automatically go to these websites, fill in the shipping address, fill in the payment details and check out in lightning fast speed, faster than a human being is ever able to do it. And they can run a hundred of these at one time, a hundred instances of this on their computer. So they can buy a hundred consoles in seconds where you're trying to just add something to your cart and check out. With Xbox, so with PlayStation, I was able to get one console and I was I was fine. I'm more of an Xbox guy. With Xbox, I was able to get both the Damn. Series X and S, and I believe I have two or three of, no, I think I have two Series S and three Series X for the same reason. So I anticipated, this wasn't because I wanted to buy them and resell them, I anticipated what we've seen happening, which is you successfully buy your console And several days to a week later, you get an email from the store you bought it from, which says, hey, we were just notified of how many consoles we're getting. We may not be able to get this to you, not just on launch day, which is November 10th or November, is it 12th for the PlayStation? Not just the 10th or the 12th. We may not get this to you until 2021. 
So people have been seeing yeah. that from Amazon and from GameStop just started doing that a few hours ago today. That's, so that's why we had a few. Exactly. That's why I said, I'm just going to buy a few. I went to Microsoft store. I did Target and there's one other one. It might've been Walmart, but yeah. I just, I'm going to go to three different places, order what I need. And hopefully one of them comes through. And obviously this is barring all three of us have relationships with these companies where we'll likely yeah. get review units if there's availability and we'll, you know, yeah, but you never know. Nothing's a guarantee. And so, yeah, that was my launch day. Xbox was way more difficult for me than PlayStation for some reason. The launch areas are, are, are interesting. And listen, I'm, I'm console agnostic. I'm not, I'm not the big time gamer, but I do prefer Xbox. I did a, a video recently on an accessory for a phone that ties into Xbox. It's the Razer Kishi. Yeah. It's a little adapter yeah, yeah, plug yeah, into yeah. your Android phone with USB-C that gives you Xbox feeling control. Yes. That you can use on your Android phone with Game Pass, which is amazing, and then Cloud Gaming, which is in beta. Mm-hmm. And over not great internet connection, I was streaming games that I had never played before with cloud saves in there. If you're not set on Sony for like exclusives or you're not like really in deep in the, in the PS5 and the Sony ecosystem... Man, that's a killer reason to consider, I mean, even in either an Xbox or just a Game Pass in general. I was blown away by seeing how good that was working. Now, can I, can I just interject? You said if you're, not, yeah, if you're not in the Sony ecosystem, I'd argue if you are in the Sony or Nintendo ecosystem, and this will actually take us to our next topic, Microsoft just bought ZeniMax for $7.5 yes. billion dollars in cash. ZeniMax is the owner of Bethesda, id Software, yep. Arcane, Alpha Dog, and mm-hmm. several others, which basically means in their roster, they now have Fallout, Doom, Elder Scrolls, Dishonored, Wolfenstein, and some others. But those are the, those are the heavy hitters. And the big argument that I've been seeing, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take it back to what you were just talking about in a second, yeah. is prior to this announcement, people were clowning Microsoft for not having exclusive games. They have Halo, they have Gears of War, they have Forza. What else is there, right? Immediately after this announcement, people were saying, there's no way Microsoft can make these exclusive. This is crazy. Please don't do this. These games cannot, these are too big to be just Xbox games. And let's talk about this for a moment, but I'm thinking these will be exclusive to Xbox platform, but the platform includes Game Pass. And if you're someone who buys a PlayStation, you can very easily still play these games without having to buy a $500 or $300 console. Just pay $10 to $15, get Game Pass, and play it on mobile. That's a fair point. And to anybody who thinks beyond whatever games are already in development are coming to the PlayStation 5, you are crazy. Microsoft's not dropping that amount of money to make PS5 games. Right. Just a pain. I have no inside information, but there's no way. This was quite a punch in the face of people who are like, I need Spider-Man and I need God of War. Now, you know, and then The Last of Us. Now those people are like, well, you know, I really like Elder Scrolls or whatever it might be. There's now a com- more compelling reasons to go to Xbox. It used to be for Sony, it was exclusive. Yep. And now you look at Microsoft and they have a lower price console, $299 for the Series S. You can do Game Pass and really not have to buy any games. Right. Like that's just what you what you do. You can buy your Xbox through Game Pass and just subscribe for like 30, 25 or 35 bucks a month. You get the console too. Microsoft has deep pockets and they're flexing those those pockets now to show it. And I I wish somebody had come along a couple months ago and it said Microsoft has deep pockets. I bet they're going to show them. Somebody said that. And I bet that person would have gotten destroyed on the Internet, (laughs) but has now come back uh, with a quite smug smile on his face. You can't see it. You can't um, see it, ladies and gentlemen. You can't see my smug smile. I got destroyed, and I'm going to call us that every week because I got wrecked and called all kinds of horrible names for essentially calling exactly what Microsoft ended up doing, except for that huge acquisition. That did not see coming. So that's my... Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. <laughs> thank, thank you for coming to my TED. No, I, I often... like I've been Xbox pretty much since the beginning. You know, I play PlayStation, but I've been mostly Xbox because that's just what like my group of friends had when right. like video games got really serious yeah. for me. We all had an Xbox and that's how we played together. But there's always been this thing of Sony having these exclusive games that everybody wanted to play but couldn't. And the question was, 
early on was like, is it worth buying a PlayStation just to play these games? Are you happy with what you have? And it's like, I'm not going to spend that much money just to play these few exclusive games on most of the things that I play across platform. But with this move, I think Microsoft takes a lot of that sting away that Sony had that sting of like, ah, I'm Xbox, but I really want to play these Sony games. Unfortunately, I can't because blah, blah, blah. But now I think some of that sting is gone. The playing field has been leveled a bit. I do think, contrary to John, I do think that some of them still will make it on to, to Sony. I just think it'll be down the line. It'll be like a six months or some, some sort of time frame where they're only Xbox only for a certain time. And then they'll eventually make their way onto Sony. I'm going to vehemently, I'm going to vehemently yeah. disagree with that. Gotcha. gotcha. Vehemently. Here's why. Now's when we get to start being mean to John. Just do it. <laughs> right, right. Now listen. <laughs> Make fun of his face. <laughs> no inside information here. Well, a little bit of inside information, Uh-oh. but so I live about 12 to 15 minutes from the Xbox studios over here. So a lot of people in where I live, it seems like half the people work for Amazon. The other half the people work for Microsoft just in this area. So I know a lot of people over there. Now, the one thing I, you know how people kind of try to talk in code when they don't want to tell you something that they know. Yeah. So basically what was told to me by someone who, who would be in the know was actually, it was exactly what John just said. It was like, okay, I can't say, I can't give you the answer, but if you look at our marketing and you look at our last earnings, something on the earnings that was new is game streaming revenue. Mm -hmm. And it may not be that exact phrase, but it's basically they added something new to the balance sheet that accounts for income from Game Pass. And so it's so important. Game Pass revenue is so important that it's not just lumped into something else. It has its own line item. And so what they basically said was, if you look at our marketing and you look at that, when you look at this acquisition, it should tell you, because I asked about, are these games going to be multi-platform or not? They said, that should give you your answer. Yeah. And what I believe that that means is, because they wouldn't give me anything more than that, but what I believe that means is, it's more important to Microsoft to get you to subscribe to and pay for Game yeah. Pass yeah, yeah. than it is for them to make the, I believe, I forget, Do they? I think they would keep 70% of the, the sale yeah minus if you buy it in store because then playstation gets 30 percent, the store gets a certain percentage then microsoft will get whatever is left but basically it's more important to microsoft to grow game pass and get you as a subscriber there than it would be for them to get between 40 and 70 percent of a sale on playstation online people seemed like the one argument that i've seen is microsoft spent so much money here they need to make this money back And the way you do that is by putting the games on PlayStation on a time delay, kind of like what Jacques just said, whether it's six months, whether it's a year, that way you're making your money back. But it seems their approach is we will make our money back by having people who are PlayStation owners, Xbox owners, Switch owners, PC players, whatever it might be, subscribe to Game Pass. And then for each acquisition we do, for each deal we do, how long will it take us and at what number, what number of subscribers times length equals making our money back? I think that's uh, okay. where they're going okay. here. Okay. Can I make a prediction? And this is totally based on nothing. Of course. But I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put it on the record. Microsoft did something interesting. Since Microsoft essentially exited their, the mobile OS game with Windows, Windows Phone, yeah. they've done a really good job making software that works across platforms, Right. Right. People love Outlook on iOS. People love Outlook on Android. If what you said is true, Andrew, would it make sense to bring Game Pass to PlayStation? It would make sense to bring Game Pass to both PlayStation. And there was a rumor it was coming to Switch, but it never did. And I'm curious. I am curious about that. The one, like we've seen, we've talked about in the past, Epic Games battling Apple because mm-hmm. they say, oh, yeah. we're submitting an app. We believe that we should be able to submit this and use our own payment processes, right? When it comes to game consoles, they are very Apple-esque. It's we own the console, we decide what games or apps will appear on this Mm -hmm. console. And I am curious, if Xbox made a version of the Game Pass app for PlayStation and submitted it to Sony, however that works, 
Does Sony review it and say, okay, this looks good. Uh, we're going to get 30% of the sale I mean, and approve it. Or do they say, no way. Could you imagine if either way it works out well for Microsoft? Yes. Sony turns it down. Microsoft goes out on Twitter, shares a copy of that rejection <laughs> letter and goes, well, we tried. There'd be a revolt, right? Sony's hand will be forced. Yeah. So, but then that, that opens up. So this is an interesting thing to me. This whole Fortnite, iPhone, Apple, iOS thing. Because essentially, again, like you guys were saying, that's the same thing as the Xbox console and the same thing as the Sony console. Yeah. Everything has to go through them. They take their cut. So if somehow they force Apple to open up, that means Microsoft needs to open up on Xbox. That means mm. Sony needs to open up on mm-hmm. PlayStation. And I think that's a bigger fight. And I don't know if Microsoft is willing to do that. And I think that's why you see Microsoft and Sony being like, they're stating their case for the Apple iOS store, but they're not fighting. They're like, oh, it would be cool. But at the same time, they're realizing like, this is going to impact us as well. Because if they step into the Microsoft store, that means Sony could do the same thing into the Microsoft store. Absolutely. Gamers would win, right? Yeah, And gamers would win, which is a whole different conversation. And like, that's going to cut into the bottom line of a lot of these companies. And I I don't know if they're willing to do that. And I think that's why this Fortnite thing is so, so dangerous for those companies, because if they fight and they win against Apple, they're really going to be able to take that same fight to Xbox and take that same fight to Sony. Epic's going to be able to put Fortnite on the Xbox through the Xbox store or whatever it is and run all the Epic games through that store and Microsoft not really get a piece of it because they can do their own payment processing, all that, mm-hmm. all of that. So this is, I think this is a bigger conversation. So I'm going to play this out business-wise. Let's play it out, right? So let's say Microsoft who's really good at software, right? That's their jam, software, already has Game Pass available for Sony, okay? And in that world, they make 70%. So whatever's the, the cost end up being 70% come in. Sony gets 30%. Does selling Game Pass on PlayStation mean people now are not, don't have to buy Xbox hardware? They can still go out and buy their PlayStation. They can go out and they could get their, you know, their Spider-Man, their Miles Morales, but still get the best of Xbox while still just paying one fee. Sony would win there too, right? Sony would win you play it out. in the console sale, but... Microsoft wins in the software. And that's where the money's made. From what you said, where it matters. The money's made in the software. The money is lost in the hardware sale. But what would be interesting there is developers would probably start developing more for the Xbox to get games on Game Pass, have a bigger user base. So really, everybody would win. You play that out, that's a win win for everybody. I do believe Sony was the kind of company that would rather have 70 cents of a dollar than 100% of no dollar. (laughs) I mean, I, I think so. So if you play that out, that's a logical conclusion. And you could flip it the other way too. Put, you know, whatever PlayStation services on the Xbox. And then there's that option for gamers too. Gamers win regardless. And very rarely do consumers win when companies fight. But this is one instance where it might make sense for the companies to play. But next. we're assuming that Microsoft or Sony are going to get 70% or 30% of the sale. This is the whole thing with Fortnite. They don't want to give yeah. Apple any money. They right. want to be able to be a part of the Apple store and every payment goes through them so they don't have to give Apple Correct. any more money. So this is assuming that, because if that happens, again, if this happens with Fortnite, that means Xbox has to open up their store, PS5 has to open up their store. Mm-hmm. And if that's the case that Apple has to open it up and Epic can process their own payments without having anything due, quote unquote, to Apple, it doesn't behoove Sony or Xbox or Microsoft to open up their stores to let these Xbox people, let all of their customers get access to Xbox and they see no fruit from that. That's a fair way to play it out too. I think it's going to be interesting. And obviously what's going on with, with Apple has a lot of implication in the industry. If I was to play that out and judging by how sort of the first day of the hearings have gone, I think that Apple is going to end up on the winning side of this. Right or wrong, however you agree or disagree, I do think Apple is going to end up victorious, but I do think they will still end up making changes yeah. to how, how their model works. That's how they've done it in the past, right? They've been proven wrong and they eventually make changes, but they're going to defend it to the end and then have the changes be their decision. Well, not just that. We've seen Google in the past day say that they are going to start enforcing a 30% clause the way that Apple has. Yeah. So... Now, they've done it a different way. They're saying if you're using Google Play, 
you have to give us 30%, which currently services like Netflix and Spotify are not doing. So they will have to comply. But Google is also saying we will also make it easier, starting with the next version of Android next year, for you to create your own app store on Android. So if you want to put your own apps and keep all the money, put it in your own app store and don't put it through Google Play. You can do that, too. So there'll be another option. Epic Games did that before and it did not work out very well, which is why they ended up putting Fortnite on Google Play in the first place. But that is a stark difference to what Apple is doing, which is saying 30 percent. And that's it. There is no alternative app store on our platform. Switching gears just a little bit or different angle. Where does this leave Nintendo? All the talk right now is about PlayStation, Sony and Microsoft and these consoles And quite frankly, Microsoft has a $299 console, which is what a Nintendo Switch costs. And they have their $499 console, which is what a PlayStation Mm -hmm. 5 costs. Microsoft's competing on both levels with the cheapest console that is next generation and the fastest, most powerful console that is next generation. What does Nintendo do? How How do they stay a part of this? Microsoft and Xbox are out here playing chess and Nintendo is clearly playing checkers. I don't think it really matters that much what Nintendo does. Now, rumors are there's a, a pro higher resolution version coming sometime in Q1. Of the Switch, yes. But the numbers don't lie. Numbers don't lie, right? Like, I think Nintendo has no interest in what those two are doing. I think the Switch for a lot of people is an add-on console to those that have an Xbox or PS5. And I think a lot of people prefer to play just right up on the Switch. I mean, I have young kids and I have an Xbox here with games that are appropriate for them. And nine out of ten times, they want to play Mario. Like, they don't care how good graphics are. Yeah, that's true. It's, it's interesting. Does Game Pass on mobile challenge the Switch? I think... I don't think anything's challenging the Switch. Yeah, I think Nintendo has a very unique place in the gaming world where people don't necessarily see them as rivals to Sony and Microsoft they see them as complementary or they see them as a stepping stone to those games or a relief from those games. So I think they're fine where they are. I mean, sure, if Game Pass on mobile catches on the way Microsoft wants it to, there may be some bleed there from the Switch. But I think that's pretty far out in the future. And then also, like, there's an allegiance to the games that Nintendo has that Microsoft, like no one has that sort of nostalgia audience that the Switch has, even as long as Xbox and PlayStation have been around. Nintendo has a very unique grasp on popular culture in a way that yeah. those two haven't been able to do. I agree. And, and Nintendo still has a, I'm going to say Trump card to play, but I'm not going to do that. <laughs> uh, has one hand yet to play. If you guys remember, the Nintendo Wii sold over 101 million yes. units. Now, Nintendo has essentially virtual consoles. They have the original NES and the SNES with a catalog of games. You can pay for Nintendo Online and you get that. They have still not done that service for N64, for Nintendo Wii or Nintendo Wii. Or GameCube. Or GameCube. I forgot about GameCube. I mean, imagine those come online to counteract Game Pass. Mm -hmm. That's a lot of people with a lot of nostalgia and a lot of games available, first-party games. They don't have to worry about selling or licensing any of that stuff, too. I think Nintendo's in the bird dog seat. I think they've got a, they are well positioned. They do things very weirdly and on their own time frame. but I would not bet against them. And to bring this whole thing back around, talking about Microsoft needing to put games on Sony's platform in order to make their money back. Nintendo is the prime example of a company who makes their games and keeps them exclusive and does not say, well, in order to be successful, we need to put Breath of the Wild on the Xbox a year after Mm -hmm. release or put it on Sony. So I think that that kind of shows that Microsoft has a very clear advantage here with some of the games that they've brought into their roster. And they've also said they're not done acquiring. So it will be Mm. interesting to see. (sighs) That's terrifying. What studio comes next. So let's take a break. Afterwards, let's talk about some of the upcoming events as well as some of the hardware we've been testing out recently. It's coming up on Geared Up. Welcome back to Geared Up, brought to you by National Car Rental. I'm Andrew Edwards, and it is now time for the National Car Rental 
story of the week. As you know, Geared Up is sponsored by National Car Rental. And if you don't know, I also do a show with National Car Rental on YouTube called Technically Speaking, where I bring you the latest, my picks for the best tech for business travel. Whether you're business traveling or even whether you're going for leisure travel, there's a lot of tech out there that can make your travel more efficient or even more fun. You can check these episodes out at the nationalcar.com control center or go to youtube.com slash national car rent. The latest tech puts you in the driver's seat. National Car Rentals Emerald Club will keep you there. Once again, big thank you to National Car Rental for sponsoring Geared Up. All right, let's talk about these Apple Watches we've been using, John. So yeah. they, they came out roughly, what, was it about two weeks ago? A week and a half ago? Two weeks ago. Two weeks ago. Yeah, about two weeks ago. Series 6 Apple Watch SE, that was the main device announced i think in my opinion the main device announced at the last event some people might say the ipad air mm-hmm. might have been uh the, i don't think so Jacques, <laughs> have you used the new watch no i'm not as cool as you guys so <laughs> i haven't used those yet i'm really i want to try the oxygen sensor thing like that's the most exciting thing about me about the watches i think i mean i use my watch mostly for running and i'm pretty i'm actually pretty happy with it i have i have the series four Okay. So I'm pretty happy with the watch that I have. I just want to try the oxygen sensor. But outside of that, it didn't do anything that I was like, all right, I need to upgrade. Fair enough. I mean, I think, I think that is a fair assessment. For me, there's a couple things that stand out that I really like. The first one is the always-on display is brighter in a way that's meaningful. The Series 5 had an always-on display, but it was very dim. And now it feels like it's just... It's still dimmer than the, I don't know what you call it, the in-use state of the screen, but it's bright enough that it just looks like it's on. Battery life has been better for me. Battery charging speeds are faster, but the main thing for me is the speed. Like they, basically, I didn't totally catch this part of the keynote when Apple was saying this, but it sounded like what they were saying was the S6 chip is based off of the chip that was in the 10s so the a12 everything is just so much faster like navigating going into apps going out of apps like pulling up siri doing dictation everything i do just feels like it happens instantly in a way that never felt that way on a watch to me before so my question for you guys when do you charge your watch so like, like this is something that I've heard a lot about, like, oh, it charges faster. But I'm like, yeah. when do you charge your watch that you need? I guess that speed is, is a variable that you're considering. Yes. So only this year is this, this is new for me because so, I always would just charge my watch at the end of the day. When I go to bed, put on a charger, wake up, I'm full, I'm good to go. Right, right. But now that the Apple Watch supports sleep tracking. Mm-hmm. If I want to track my sleep, I can't charge it overnight because you have to be wearing it. So what I was doing during the beta of watchOS 7 on my Apple Watch Series 5 was I would charge it when I woke up, like I'm brushing my teeth, showering, whatever, and then I charge it for a little while before going to bed, before putting it back on. But my battery was struggling on the Series 5. And on the Series 6, I wake up, I put it on the charger. By the time I pick it up, it's like in the 90 percentile range. And when I'm going to bed, you need to have at least 30% charge if you want to do sleep tracking. So if I'm roughly around there, I'll just put it on the charger for 10 minutes or so and come back and I'm in the 50% area. And so I charge it just for a few minutes in the morning, maybe like 20 minutes, 20 minutes in the morning. And then I don't know, 10 minutes at night. And I have not had any problems on the series six, specifically because the more efficient chip inside doesn't use the battery as hard. And it charges faster than the previous one. Okay. Okay. I can see that. Because I, I do mine similar. So I'll what I'll do is I'll go running in the morning. So I need the charge there. And then when I come home from my run, I put it on the charger. That's when I do breakfast, shower, shave, do all of those things, kind of get ready. And then I grab the watch again and put it back on. And it's on again until the next day. And I'm usually fine. Very rarely is it like the battery super low. But I'm able to usually to make it through on that. And so like I was always curious and, I, and maybe it takes me longer to get dressed in the morning than I think. So maybe that's <laughs> maybe that's it. Maybe I need <laughs> it takes a lot more work to make me this pretty than I, than I realize. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, maybe that that's part of it as well. But I always wonder, like I've, I've heard I shouldn't say always, but I've recently heard like the speed of charging was a variable yeah. that people were considering. And I was like, oh, I wonder, like, how long are you actually charging it that 
that is right. part of the conversation. John, what about you? I mean, I have, I got sleep issues. So I've got insomnia. I've suffered on it for a while. So the only sleep tracking I've been doing is wear my Apple Watch, which is why it's keeping me up at night because it keeps hitting my pillows and rolling around. <laughs> so I, as far as my Series 6 Apple Watch goes, I use exactly the same as I did the last versions. I don't wear it at night. I like notifications. I don't use apps on it very much. It is definitely faster. It feels quicker. I don't know if it charges faster because I put it on at night and I wake up in the morning. Uh, in all honesty, I have noticed the screen is noticeably brighter, the always-on display. And the tactic engine is better yeah. than last gen. I can, I can, I can feel it. As far as it being a worthwhile upgrade, I, it's hard. What's especially a hard one to recommend. The blood oxygen, the oximeter, for me works about half the time. Yeah, it's not, it's not great. Oh, really? I didn't realize that. It's, wow. Yeah, it mostly says like unavailable and uh, not working. Or it'll say like, then, hey, you have a hundred percent blood oxygen level. Then you try again like ten minutes later. It's like, hey, you have eighty two percent, which means you're like, yeah, on your deathbed. So oh, yeah, yeah. All right. And Apple has said it's not for medical reasons, more of like, hey, just so you know, it's a reference. I do think that the yeah, the blood oximeter stuff is a precursor to other big things coming for sure. Things that use blood oxygen. So panic attacks and that kind of stuff. I think it's a much bigger play. But right now it was more of like, oh, look, it does that. And then I forgot about it. Hmm. So I think you know, for, you know, Jacques and others, if you have a series four that does have the ECG feature, which I think is probably the last killer apple watch feature and you don't care that you have to go like this you know flick your wrist open to see the screen there's very little reason to upgrade to the six i mean there's there's no compelling reason to do it and if you do want the always on display you can probably get a killer deal on a uh series five right now absolutely don't, don't you have one you're trying to get rid of series five i do i'm selling i am selling my my series five up on swappa by the way um <laughs> but i know i am i am says i'm selling my my series series five Shout out to you, by the way, for the swap a tip. I don't know what happened and I don't know why. I mean, it must just be the rarity. But basically, I brought that up because John and I both had the ceramic Series 5, which was the basically the top of the line Apple Watch. And when I say top of the line, what I mean by that is the material. There was no difference in the actual technology, the speed, the power in the watches that you no. buy other than what it's made yeah. of the physical makeup. And so we have these ladies ceramic ones from last year. Flex. Ladies and gentlemen, this is called a flex. Please, <laughs> please, uh, please pay attention. This is called it's a, a flex, flex alert. It's a flex <laughs> alert. Now, listen, here's the thing. When you buy an Apple watch and then you want to sell it the next year, you're not usually getting anywhere close to what you paid. And that usually that applies to anything, right? Like right. anything in this anything. world, Apple stuff typically does hold its value a little better than others. But the anomaly this year is that, Apple did not release a ceramic model, so they're more rare. And so John sends me a text saying, hey, did you know that Apple Watch Series 5 ceramic models are selling for around $1,500 on Swappa? I paid $1,399 plus tax for this brand new last year. Wow. So I put it on Swappa just like, is this guy correct? I put it on there and like within 18 hours, $1,500, bam. So, wow. yeah, thanks, John. Thanks for the tip. That's that's crazy. But I guess they're so <laughs> rare that if people want that look, this is the only way to do it because Apple doesn't sell them anymore. There's no ceramic. But it's crazy. That it's rare, right? People could have bought this like three weeks ago. Right. From Apple. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. Wow. You know, I, I had somebody say, hey, I know you got your Series 6. Can I buy your ceramic one for me? I said, sure. Like, how much you want? I was like, I don't know. I was like, just go and swap and see what they're selling for and just tell me. And he came back and they're like, uh, they're going for $1,500. <laughs> So that was a, a very shocking surprise there. Yes. <laughs> so if you have a ceramic Apple Watch and you want to upgrade and you want to want to use Hell the it. last one to kind of make some money, since there's no the other thing is the most expensive current Apple Watch is roughly eight hundred dollars. So if you sell your last year ceramic, you will have basically enough money to almost buy two of the most expensive Apple Watches if you want to. But I digress. I digress. Let's let's talk about this Amazon event that just happened earlier. It was last week. Mm-hmm. Did you guys see there's this? There's really only one. There's really one main thing to talk <laughs> about, right? Right. The main I thing. I mean, we just brand new, awesome Echo shows, screens that move, technology's better, new algorithms, conversationally. Hey, Wi-Fi 6 Eros, that's cool. What Great. Amazon did a lot of awesome things with the Echo devices. If you like them, the ecosystem, there's better versions yes. out now. But there's one product that's not even coming out until next year. It was year the talk of the event. That is the talk of the event. So, I'll, I'll, Andrew, I'll, I'll, let you, I'll let you take that one. Oh, boy. Well, I don't know how I feel about this. So Ring, which is a company that Amazon owns, and if you're 
not familiar ring started with video doorbells that's pretty much their bread and butter yep they have very extensive privacy features in their app to allow you to be very Mm -hmm. granular with your privacy but at the same time there was also controversy with ring because they have teamed up with police forces across the country allowing them to get the video footage that your ring devices have recorded without your permission so question were they actually giving people video because i felt like there was and maybe i need to to research this because i I wasn't sure that they were actually giving the video to the police i thought they were allowing police access to who had rings in the area and allowing them to contact those people but not actually giving them the video I would, mm. I, would, I would need to research okay. that because I think that was part of it. I think the fact that they were giving police information was the problem, but I don't think they were actually giving them video. But okay. I, I could, I be, I could be wrong. I could be wrong about that. But even even still, people were upset about it because that kind of yes. puts you in a bad position. If you decide that you don't want to share your video, police are going to be like, why don't you want to share your video? Right. The, the robbery right. happened right across the street from your house, and now you don't want to share the video. Like It puts you under suspicion. But either way, they shouldn't be working with the police in that way. I guess. Yes, yes. But that that is a good point, though. I was going off of what I heard and what my understanding was, but it is not something I researched. So that could be the case. But now Ring is going to be releasing in 2021 an indoor camera that flies around and patrols your house. (laughs) Nope. It sounds like you made it up. Like it sounds like an April Fool's joke. The launch video that they showed looked like it was out of a sci-fi movie. Basically, the camera, and and so this is the one thing I want to say. The camera, if you can imagine this, since this is audio, there is a drone, which is the shape of a little puck with a stick coming out of the bottom of it. The camera Mm -hmm. is on that stick, and that stick goes into a base. So that actually does not sound... That sounds ridiculous. Wait, wait, wait to sexualize <laughs> right, that, yeah. uh, that example there. <laughs> so listen, basically what I'm trying to say is when the camera is not in use, when the drone is not flying around, the camera is inside of an enclosure. It cannot see anything in your home. Only when it's flying around is the camera able to see anything. That's my main point here, which I know a lot of people don't like smart cameras because they think, okay, I put a camera up in my house. Someone hacks in, they can see what's going on in that room. Right. So with this, it cannot see anything unless it's flying. So you know when it's recording something. You can deploy so many que- so many questions. Yeah, so many questions. So many questions here. You can deploy this if you're out and about and you want to see, hey, what's going on in the garage? Go, go, let me see if I close the garage door or whatever. Or it can auto-deploy if a door is opened or a window is open and you're not home, and it'll go over and check and see what's going on. But it just, I don't know. Like this, I simultaneously feel like wow, this is so cool. This is futuristic. I need this in almost in the way that the original iPhone was, where it's like, it feels like this is pulled three to five years out of the future and being handed to me today. Mm -hmm. The other thing is this has a creep factor of which I rarely feel about new technology. And so I want to see where do you guys fall on this? You want me to go? Okay. So I'm going to say no. First, I feel like there's just too much danger involved with this thing being in my house. Mm. If it hits something, if it falls, it obviously has a battery inside. If it falls and catches fire, like that seems to be a legitimate concern. I don't think it's going to help with burglars because it's so loud. If it's a drone, it's not like it's going to creep up on the burglar and be able to get footage <laughs> and I can report it back to the police without the burglar knowing right. because it's a drone. So, you're, you know, you're going to hear it 50 feet away, you know, regardless of what's drone. happening. It's a little drone, though. It's not, a, even it's not a huge drone. But even with the little drones, I mean, you, you fly a little drone in your house, loud. you know, people downstairs, you know, <laughs> people are like, what do you what is what's going on up there? You know right. what I mean? So it's not it's not like this. <laughs> this can happen in secret. And honestly, I just don't see the purpose behind it. If you want cameras in your house, like generally just put cameras in your house. Because if, say, you only have one of these things, okay, cool. Does it work upstairs, downstairs? Can it go no, up the it stairs? No, it does not go up flights. No. So that means I need to get two. So does that mean if something happens downstairs, what if the one upstairs here is it? And it is it going to fly to the same space? <laughs> is does it? Can it avoid a ceiling fan? Like I need to know. Like what? <laughs> there's so many questions that I have for this thing. I just don't, I don't see the purpose in it with it being a drone and it being loud. I think the secrecy or the intent of it 
just doesn't seem to make sense. It, it feels like something people did just to see if they could do it. If this was constantly going around my house, if I was like, all right, I'm leaving for the night, let's set the drone to tour the house and it flew around the house and it kind of monitored things all the time at a constant rate, maybe maybe that's more of a consideration. But th- if this is reactionary, I don't see an, a, a purpose for it as a reactionary tool, especially if somebody's coming into my house because they're obviously going to be gone as soon as they hear that there's a flying drone in the living room. Yes, that makes sense. Now, let me let me just add one thing in. I don't know if this changes anything for anybody, but if you have an Amazon Echo device, you will also be able to have it. Not only will the drone deploy if someone's coming into your home, but your Echo will also play the sound of wild barking dogs when someone tries to enter your home as well. So you have the dogs coming out of a speaker and you've got the drone coming in to see what's going on. John, where does that leave you? So I had two immediate thoughts when I saw this. First was, man, Amazon always takes things one step farther than people are comfortable (laughs) with. Like coming into your house, coming to your garage, opening your trunk, and now a drone. And the second thought was, man, I can't wait for the outdoor version. Mm. Like let this thing patrol outside of my house. I'm like, oh, I'm in. Like 100%. I mean, granted, it's like Cyberdyne and you know Terminator style. I am super in, though, on the drone in my house. Obviously, there are questions about dogs and cats and knocking into stuff. I just, I think it's cool. I don't know if I would use it. I see the use case of whole home monitoring. So I have a lot of cameras around my house. I've got kids that like to, you know, check in on them when I'm not home. But there's an area in your house where you don't have a camera. Being able to sort of fly your drone over there and and check things out. I see the use case. It's certainly terrifying. And there are dangers, like you guys said. I can't wait to try it. I mean, no, honestly, and I, I get all the concerns and everything you guys said is totally valid. Everything Jacques said totally resonates, but I still can't wait to try it. Like it's a drone in my house. Like, let's see, is it, is it going to hit walls? Is it going <laughs> to catch fire? Like, I don't know. Let's try Will it. Will the dog jump up and like, grab is, it out of midair? Yeah. Right. Are my kids going to grab it? Like, I don't know. Let's like, let's see what happens. Let's watch this disaster. Yeah. And how does it determine like my dog being annoyed at the dog across the street and starts barking versus my dog barking because it hears somebody in the backyard. All fair questions. I cannot wait to try to answer every one of these. <laughs> and my, my inclination is going to be an absolute disaster when it launches. I don't get better with software updates, but I can't wait to see that disaster. Or maybe it's going to surprise us and be amazing. That's cool. There's new technology that we have no idea about. Now, like, me, how often does that happen? Let me, let me talk about some of the things I don't like. And I don't know why I think this way. Like sometimes I just get skeptical. Why are you the way you are? Right, like, I don't know. Like sometimes, like, you know, I got this new house and like I saw there were some moles down there and people are like, hey. Are you saying moles? You have moles in your house? Not in the house. Like outside. Like we got like. Moles? Like that's a problem. Like moles? Are they gophers or like actual moles? One of those. I don't know. But basically (laughs) they they make these little holes in the yard. And so. It's like we have wild chinchillas in our yard. (laughs) So you go, you go online and you find these people who catch moles. But then I'm like, wait a minute. They're like, we charge per mole. So I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> what if they come over? It's like, a, it's like a dermatologist. What if they come over and they put moles in there and then they catch them and they're like, okay, we caught six moles. You put the moles in there. Wow. Right? So that's a, con- that, that's a concern for you like that. And why are you the way you are? No, listen. So, so take it as back to Amazon. There's a camera in your house that can fly around. Could this camera scan your house? Could this camera make an indoor map of your house that now Amazon has access to? Could Amazon at some point say, could Alexa say, hey, we noticed that your kitchen island has a three by five section that's empty. Would you like a Echo Show? Would you like to order you one of those to put there? Because it looks like it could use a piece of technology. I don't know. Like, Legitimate is question. it just what they say it is? Or is there more to it? Are they collecting data that we don't know about? Because this happens a lot. Like, I feel like a lot of times companies say, okay, we're not collecting anything. And then later it turns out they are. And then they say, oh, wait, that was just a bug in the software. We're going to release an update to stop doing that. We didn't realize we were doing this. Okay. What could having a camera that's flying around your house, what could that do as far as information? I know, John, you you don't care. You don't care about security. You've said this before. I don't care about privacy. I I want to talk more about you on a drone following the mole man around. Um, checking. Did he pull moles that, out of his no, pocket? No, no, that was how many moles did he get out of his pocket? He is he traveling with there. moles? Would, where's Where is he getting the moles from? Like all these questions, only this drone can answer. Listen, for if us. you if you catch moles down the street and then you bring them over here and let them loose, 
And then you yeah, like who wants neighbor moles? Like get those, get them moles away from me. But I'm saying that's an easy. If you're like, hey, I, I charge per mole, and then you drop a few moles in my yard, then you catch them. But where, where, where are they keeping these moles? Like, how does this play they, out they, in your they head? They got them in traps and cages. Wow. Wow. I'm okay. just saying, I don't know. I'm not saying this is what happened. I'm just saying sometimes I'm skeptical of things sometimes. Okay. That's all. All right. That's respectable. So with, with this technology, I'm just kind of skeptical as to, is it just what they say it is? Or is there more to it than that? That's all. Okay. That's all. You're not worried about this. It sounds like okay. you don't care. You know, the, the mole scenario has not entered my head. I can't speak for Jacques. Maybe perhaps he has a mole problem at his I, home. I do not. I do not. <laughs> I don't know. I, like, and I, I know the hypocrisy of like, I don't care. But like, I really like, I just want to see this drone fly around my house. I just want to see how it plays out. Like, are my kids going to try to grab it with a net? <laughs> I, I don't like what's going to happen. What if it hits a wall? Your kids have nets. Like, that they just... <laughs> big, big butterf- butterfly. butterfly nets oh, right butterfly yeah, in the backyard. I get John's point, and I, too, would be interested in seeing it in the house, but it's not going to be, a, like, it's like a bad kid. Like, you know, like, when your bad nephew comes over, yeah. that, like, you can't really <laughs> let him do anything. You got to supervise him constantly. I feel like this, like, I have to supervise this thing constantly. Like, I can't yep. leave it alone by itself. 100%. Totally agree with that. Makes sense. All right. Let's get to the final topic of the show. Google has an event uh, happening Tomorrow, as we record, which means it'll probably be mm-hmm. yesterday, if you're listening to this on the day of release, Google's launch night in. They sent a bunch of us some some snacks. What? Some popcorn. Some can- yeah. They were like, "Hey, we got this event no, coming up." Google does not talk to me for some oh, reason. Okay. They, don't, they don't like me anymore. So I I did not get any snack box. Okay. Uh, so what they did was they sent me an invite for the live stream. As part of the invite, when you said yes, it was like, okay, what? Do you like sweets or sour candy? What? Do you like coffee, hot chocolate, or tea? And there's like one other question like that. And then a box shows up, which is like full of coffee and a mug and a bunch of Sour Patch Kids and popcorn and socks. And they were like, just add a blanket and you'll be ready for launch night in, which, by the way, takes place at like 10 in the morning. So that's the night in event. The rumor is they will be announcing the new Pixel 5, which will support 5G, the new Pixel 4a XL, and a new Chromecast, along with potentially other things. I don't know that I'm super interested in any of this stuff, quite honestly. Maybe the Pixel 5, just to see what their next evolution of their camera is, but... I don't know. What do you guys think? I'm, I'm not really... I'm just hyped for the next iPhone event, I guess. Listen, so I think there's a reason that perhaps Google is not talking to me. So I'm just going to say this because I know Google reps do listen to this podcast. <laughs> I'm super excited to see what the Pixel 5 is going to be. I cannot wait to see how they pull together a flagship experience as they inevitably deviate from a flagship processor. Mm-hmm. I'm excited to see how their camera performs. And I'm excited to see what their software does with the camera. I'll leave that there. That's it. And I'll say... I'm genuinely excited for the event. I like seeing what Google is offering, when, especially when it comes to their cell phone. I like the plain Google, plain, I shouldn't call it plain, but I like the the pure, I'll say, Google Android experience over pretty much everything else. That may speak more to my personality than anything, but I enjoy that experience. So I'm always kind of excited to see what they're doing. And then obviously the photography, you know, being a, a tech sort of guy, like that photo, video stuff always is intriguing to me and seeing what they're doing and seeing how they're innovating in that space. So it'd be, it'd be, it'll be interesting. I, I think people have started to count Google out and I don't know if that's the right, that's the right attitude to have. I think that everybody goes through their lulls and you know, everything can't be super exciting all the time, but I, I think they're in this for the long run and I think they're going to keep pushing. I feel like Google doesn't really care about selling phones. Mm. Like I feel like, like if you look at Apple, they very obviously care their business depends on selling phones. But Google, it seems like the phone is just one of just many things. They care as much about the phone as they care about autonomous driving, as they care about, you know, they don't care about as much as search and search ad revenue. But all their other projects, it seems like the phone is just kind of equal. It's just, it's just one of so many other things that they do. They release it, they put it out there. Hardly any marketing ever. They put things in it that will help Google services advance and the google assistant advance but other than that it's not really a big deal to them am i am i off base no no i I don't i don't think so 
I think Google's still struggling to find out what that pixel means. Like, what does a pixel mean? Is it a flagship phone? Is it the best camera out there? And I think the direction they appear to be going with the Pixel 5, at least the rumors are true, is a lower cost, really amazing camera experience. It's a really good way to go. The Pixel 4a is an amazing device. Mm -hmm. You make a slightly better Pixel 4a and maybe a bigger size, and that's a killer phone. So I think going downstream a little bit makes a lot of sense. I think they'll find a much bigger market there for people who are, are looking for you know, what a, a Pixel device brings to the table, which is a lot. I do think they need to make, if they are going to take that sort of philosophy, they do need to make a trophy phone every year, which I, I worry they're getting away from. They need the trophy phone and then they need like the 4A kind of thing. And the 5 What would, if, if what would a trophy is, phone be? The Ultra Pixel, man. Yeah, there you go. Like a high end is what yeah, you're like saying. Yeah, like a high end. Yeah, like a high end. Like a super high-end, specked out, all the latest, greatest, coolest things that Google has to offer. And then make a phone that most people are actually going to buy at the yeah. $399, $499 price point. It's, it's interesting. It seems like this year, it seems like since the iPhone 11 was released, companies have been more focused on making good, inexpensive phones instead of inexpensive phones that are very clearly crippled in some way. The Galaxy S20 yeah. Fan Edition, the iPhone 11, the iPhone SE, the Pixel 4a. It almost feels like there needs to be some sort of big evolutionary step in the smartphone game because the higher spec phones at the end of the day, while having higher specs, aren't really providing that much of a different experience when compared to a mid-range and most people seem to be going for more of those these days. I don't know if foldables is the answer or something else, but like the S20 Ultra or the Note 20 Ultra, they're out there, very high spec phones, feature rich, but are they really that much better than like an S20 fan edition, which is like half the price? I think what it boils down to, and we've come to the point now where phones and processors have gotten so good, you have to try to find a bad phone. Mm. I mean, you really have to make like an effort and take all the iOS and Android garbage out of it. Like, you have to really make an effort to find like a really bad experience. And because even the what used to be bad phones are now good, it's hard to justify spending $1,000 plus for like maybe a little faster load times and maybe a little more RAM and maybe a better screen or like the phones fundamentally do exactly the same thing. Yeah, I was going to say I was going to say the same thing. Like it's just it's that phones have gotten so good. Yeah. And it's not only that they've gotten so good, it's that they've gotten so good and you really don't need to upgrade every year. It's not like early on in the iPhone Android game where every year was like this leap of like, right. oh, this feature, oh, that, oh, that it has an app store now, oh, oh, it's 3G now, or oh, it has LTE now. Like all mm -hmm. those giant steps that phones were taking early on, those have all diminished. And so, I almost feel like we've capped out as far as new technical things that are happening on phones that are going to make a huge difference for for us as consumers. Like, what's the next plane of technology? Is it AR and VR phones that do AR and VR, or is it something that connects to the phone that that incorporates AR and VR? Is it glasses? Is it an AR watch or something? Or is it like there needs to be there's some sort of connection or next level that isn't yep. that isn't exactly connecting with the brand. It's like it's no longer like, oh, we're just going to put a faster processor in there. Like that doesn't matter anymore because for the most part, the stuff that we need to do on our phones, we can do on our phones. Unless there's some sort of yeah. gaming component or video component or photography or something that comes along that requires more processing power. Like the race for faster speeds isn't really going to make that big of a difference. Like the milliseconds that it takes for something to swipe or for an animation to happen isn't going to sell me on, oh, yeah, I need to spend another $1,000 or another $1,200 right. on the phone. That makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah, agreed. We'll see what Google has to announce. And also, the rumor is Apple's iPhone event will be on October 13th. That has not been confirmed yet, but that's. All signs seem to be pointing to that. So that's just about a little over two weeks away. So we'll see yeah. what's next uh, for smartphones here in 2020. But ladies and gentlemen, let's thank Mr. Jacques. Jacques, thank you for joining 
the show, Mr. Jacques Slade. Thank you. Once again. Thank you guys for having me. I, I appreciate it. I always, always enjoy coming on the show. I am a two-time guest. Has, there, has, there, has anyone else been a guest twice before? Yeah, yeah, no, that's a yes. That's I a mean, yes. Were they okay. as no, good no, as that's him, a yes. Though, like, nobody, no, nobody three no, times. Yes. So that means true. I need to I need to come on again to make me like the third, <laughs> yes. make me number three, yes. the only person with three. And then when somebody else comes on to three, I'll, I'll be back for four. I'm gonna be <laughs> perfect. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be like the most guested, the most guestable. I don't I like you know that. what I mean. The most that's like Alec Baldwin on SNL. You'll be our Alec Baldwin. Yes, I'll be I'll be your Alec Baldwin. I like it. And that is it for this edition of Geared Up. Thank you so much for listening. Of course, you can catch John and I on YouTube. I'm at youtube.com slash gear live. And John is at youtube.com slash John for Lakers. Feel free to head over and subscribe to our channels to stay up to date on all the latest tech. Speaking of subscribing, you can subscribe to Geared Up in your favorite podcast app. If you haven't done so already, just search Geared Up. That's two words, not one in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pocket Casts, Overcast, or really wherever you choose to listen. If you like what we do, please consider leaving us a rating and review. It really helps other people find the show. Geared Up is a Gear Live podcast, and you can see more from us at GearLive.com. Thank you so much for listening. For John Rettinger, I'm Andrew Edwards, and we'll catch you in the next episode.